0: Hello, welcome to today's episode of From the Margins, Perspectives on Architecture. Good morning, good evening, good night. I'm your host, Germán. I'm here today with Macheli Flores. Macheli is a Mexican social researcher and teacher. And this is the second and last of two parts. To clarify to the listeners, these um, women believe that the government who took their children
1: even if it wasn't directly the government, the forced disappearance term, according to the United Nations, means that there was acquiescence of the government. Okay. There, there. Even if they weren't necessarily directly involved, uh-huh. they had to know and didn't do anything about
0: it. Okay. And
1: uh-huh. in this case, uh, most of the um, people were disappeared by by municipal police and the drug in,
0: but, Exactly in... uh-huh.
1: But some. I mean. For, for these years, and um, there's there's a very nice, um, I'm sorry, I said nice, but very interesting study on how it was the as they had the whole state during those years, hmm. police and everything. Anyway, so these two things, and, and I found that the space has to do a lot with what they prioritize. And they prioritized, in the case of Saltillo, they pri- it's, and I'm going to say this with a lot of um respect to what I have found and with respect for Las Doñas. Mm-hmm. They will of course they will never um say I like justice and not truth. Of course they won't say because they want both.
0: They want justice and seen, truth. Mm-hmm.
1: But I've seen how they prioritize. In in the case of Saltillo, they prioritize justice because they have nowhere to be. They they don't they don't have the desert where they can look for their people. On the other hand, there's Torreon.
0: And justice and means
1: justice means finding out who did it, and and going with all the the justice um, system okay. with that.
0: To, like, and put, not only yeah.
1: that, it's also about, for example, the victims. It's like uh, if if the person had children, who's going to feed them? If the the wife, this this is a horrible situation for those who lose their loved ones. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, there were men who took care of the household. Mm-hmm. economically speaking mm-hmm. so now they can't pay for the house they can't pay for their children they don't have an insurance the companies they say the man didn't they, he just didn't come back to work so I'm not going to be paying him so there's no money there's nothing and these women have have found a way to make it legal uh for the term disappeared and and so the company has to have you know like like as if he were dead but you don't declare him dead. And in that way, you still have the government accountable for finding this person because he's not declared dead, but he has to be, um, but the, the person who who he took care of has to be taken care of as if he had been dead. Like he gets the social insurance, et cetera, because they didn't. Mm-hmm. The, the, the person would disappear and then the company would stop paying and there was no insurance or anything. And you lost your house, you lost your children, you lost everything. It wow. was horrible. So, so women—they all take care of this part, of course, of the legal issues. But in Torreon specifically, they go out and look for the bones and, and for any vestige of a human being in the desert, where they know that there are a lot of clandestine um, cemeteries. Mm-hmm. Cemeteries.
0: And mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. they go and do that, and they found—they found more than ten thousand um, remains of human beings in all of this, of the desert. They they go there with the help of a lot of anthropologists, international anthropologists, the United Nations, etc. But they become even more expert than those who are expert, of course, because they you know their motivation is just amazing.
0: Yes, because they're exactly the motivation is is a familiar motivation. There's a there's a love involved. Mm. There's I'm looking for your kids yeah Mm
1: -hmm. and they go there and there i've seen i've heard testimonies of people saying for example the ejidatarios those people who live in the in the rural areas Mm -hmm. they come to them and they say thank you for coming and looking for the the remains of your loved ones because now we can be at peace because when you're here and even when you're not here because they don't know when you're coming the the bad guys are out Hmm. so i that is Recuperation of public spaces. Yes. That is taking it back from crime and from, from from organized crime and narcos. I think that's amazing. But you see these are different priorities between in, in one region, within one region. And I c- clearly see how the environment and the space affects this because it's not the same. To, if you tell um, una de las doñas here in Saltillo and you tell her, Go and look for your son or your daughter. Where?
0: Yes. On the other
1: hand, in Torreón, they're like, I know they're in the desert, and they go to the desert, and that's how how they, how it works.
0: And they find remains. Mm-hmm. Oh
1: yes, you have no idea how many many remains they have found. There, it's just so sad. But at the same time, this becomes a little bit of an issue amongst these groups because now, because the ladies have been in touch with the remains the justice system says you have touched the remains and now they're not pure and we cannot now act on that
0: so there's no way to win there's like there's
1: no winning no there's no winning from the start herman because if it was the government the government the government's never gonna blame itself No, of course so at the end of my findings really is that it's been a simulation from the government and it's not only been a simulation but it's also um, something that's very organic i don't know how to say this but they've created a lot of organisms to help the victims mm-hmm. they've created a ton of um you know attorneys and and uh, state attorney for, mm-hmm. for yes like
0: uh, a special uh, investigation groups and uh-huh. special attorneys to persecute yeah. and blah, blah, blah.
1: But there's nothing. They haven't found a single person. And I talked to the special attorney and the special attorney, he said something to me. He said, I'd give like, he didn't say his life, but he'd give a lot to be able to, to give uh, one of these ladies her, her son back. And he said, but at the same time, I don't want to do it because I cannot imagine how it would be and he has he says we found i don't know 19,000 people but these are the people who were disappeared maybe after this whole violent episode in Mexico and and it's people who sometimes are taken by by organized crime but they they've given back or or they found their way home or just people who leave home and they you know mm-hmm. all these cases but there hasn't been one case where one of the organized doñas have found their loved ones. Not one. With all of these governmental efforts. So that's why we believe it's a, it's just an act.
0: And and I mean, I know that you're doing this in the state of Coahuila, but you must be, yes, you must know about what is happening in other states. And yes, of and, course. and we know that this is, well... Um, I was going to say we 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 know that this is something that's happening in the northern part of the country, but that's not true. It also happens nice in Morelia. City. It also happens in Guerrero. I mean, it happens in the states that are controlled by by the narcos, and it happens in the in the states that
1: uh, border states and not border states. Yeah, but
0: also that uh, where you know narco is really
1: yeah Like because
0: that's oh. where they Yes, they, they control it for different reasons. Do you think that this is a situation particular to Coahuila or this is similar to many other states?
1: It's very similar to other states because it's the, the um, issue that underlies below that is mm-hmm. the same one. It's a it's, um, drug thing. It's a drug corruption. issue, but it's also corruption and mm-hmm. it's also the drug cartels taking over the government. That's what it is everywhere, but of course, Coahuila has very specific characteristics, and, and it's not the same. To talk about the case of Veracruz, which is number one, mm-hmm. and I think it's Chihuahua, and, no, Tamaulipas, of course,
0: mm.
1: and it's not uh, the same to talk about Veracruz or Chihuahua or Tamaulipas or Coahuila because because of the history of each one of the states and how the drug cartels came to be in these areas and how they took over, but especially. Because of who governed during those times, which in our case it was Humberto Moreira, who is, you know, mm-hmm. very famous for being very corrupt.
0: Yes, and and the, and the whole case of of the relation with the groups of narcos and that. Yeah, and I guess the other question is, I mean, another another one of these infamous cases of of disappearances or forced disappearances or i guess and and please correct me if, if it's a difference uh, case but the uh, muertas de juarez okay does it enter in 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 the same category is is it the same is it related or is it a different it 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 it, it should be studied in a different way
1: it should be studied in a different way and it's um... A different issue because it's a gender issue
0: it's a feminist mm-hmm.
1: it's yes and it's also because they actually find the bodies it's equally tragic i believe but the fact that forced disappearance implies that you have no idea what the fate of your loved one was makes it so 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 different from everything else I'm not saying it's not as tragic. And actually, I, I think it's very we should be studying deep into these feminicides in Mexico and how sexism and machismo and, and everything else is just um, killing women every single day. And now that we're quarantined, even so much more. And it's it's a horrible thing. And like I said, I'm not saying I'm not trying to diminish. Yes, issue yes.
0: No, no, I mean, uh, and, and it's a complete different but it is issue. Different. Yes. But I, different... I was just trying to, you know, make make the the comparison in a way. But yes, I understand what you're saying and how it should be studied, studied in a different in... way. Mm-hmm.
1: But it's also very interesting. For example, Germán, now that you bring this up, when they cannot find women, and this is something that I believe is one of the worst things. Hmm, because exactly. The, the Las Doñas, they don't only face the fact that they're, their children disappear, but they also face this re-victimization every time they, appro- they they approach the authorities. And one of the worst things, and I I mean, I have a lot of examples and and it'd be just very, very sad to talk about all, them all, but I, I believe it's something that we need to talk about, especially in Mexico where people sometimes say, oh, well, they had it coming. And that, that to me is just the worst thing you could say. Yes. Because we have a law, we have a constitution and if, if somebody had it coming, then why do we have the Constitution for? Then we could just, just purge, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it makes me really angry when somebody says they had it coming. Because even if they had something coming, it wasn't disappearing. Because the law does not provide that in the law. It's like, yes, oh, if, you if know what, you're hanging out with bad guys. It was going to jail. What? exactly exactly the same thing goes for the muertas of inquires many people kept saying oh they were prostitutes oh so now if you're a prostitute you deserve to die mm-hmm. in it's, yes. way. it's
0: it's just oh, come on. Mm-hmm.
1: it's just horrible when people say that and i i think it's a lot of ignorance there because people believe that because they were bad guys and i'm, I'm quote unquote
0: mm-hmm. saying air, this, quoting. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, air quoting um that they deserve to what to disappear? No, of course not. not not in the law, not in an ethical point of view. They have mothers, they have children, they have I don't know, they're just human beings and and, yes, and again
0: exactly and again, if we if we go back to the root of the problem is capitalism and it's a it's a it's a rotten system that it's not providing everything for everybody and it's i know you're laughing but it's like it's not providing everything for everybody it's not and it's and and yes i know that a lot of people will debate with me about this but yes it's not providing everything for everybody and it's pushing a lot of people to profit yes the
1: hunger for profit and well we could go deep into that but i i think there's um that even in the utilitarian situation when you can make it more humane when we talk about uh living from like in making it political, I think. Mm. If you well that's another issue. But mm. yes, Muertos de Juárez, desaparecidos, the roots might be the same. But I'm not I I haven't studied that but I believe it's yeah the, the drug system, but in the case of Muertos de Juárez it has a lot to do with sexism in Mexico and the fact that you can do with women as they please, and nothing's going to happen because, but it's systematic right now. We're having so many problems with that. And regarding forced disappearance, uh, what was I saying about how the origins, of course, are corruption and and the cartels and the corruption in the government, mm-hmm. especially who governs during those times? Fidel Herrera is the in in Veracruz, Umberto Moreira in in, in, Coahuila. in Coahuila and in the. In the what was the name of these yarrington in, in tamalipas mm-hmm. these people drug nerds, of course and and the worst of the worst and and you could see how it was also a way of controlling population
0: and priestas the three of them yeah, have of to have to say well it. i
1: think yarrington was panista i'm not Question? sure but i think he was panista
0: well I and i don't i don't want to start uh that topic, <laughs> but it's like yes, free and pan. But of course. <laughs> but
1: anyway, this 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 situation where there was also an an, an issue of controlling population through forced disappearance, because if you didn't do this or you didn't do that, this might happen to you. Very mm-hmm. similar to what was going on in the dictatorships in in South America with Pinochet. I
0: was and, yes, and that was. That was but the other um, comparison that I was making with this with this group of mothers looking for their kids and their children, which is the, the Mothers de Mayo in, in Argentina with yes. their disappearances. And, and I think that there is a similarity then.
1: There is a similarity, but the difference is that there was an ideological issue down there. It was these hippies, the communists, the socialists, and in this case it was more about gaining space uh-huh. territory it was uh-huh. territorial and it was control of the population and it was the worst i mean of course the muertos de juarez these the horrible stories and and you just can't imagine how it kept happening and happening and happening because people didn't believe this these girls deserved justice so it kept on and on and on and the same goes for people who were disappearing during these times. It was mostly, well, actually, there, there's a lot of social status uh, involved in, in this, but it was working class men who, mainly, mainly, of course, who were in these productive ages from 1835.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mostly.
0: And in, in the case of the Muertas de Juarez, it was young women. There I, were seventeen to twenty something.
1: Mm-hmm. I was gonna. So yeah, you, you were that. you
0: were gonna mention about uh, when, when when a women, women disappear. disappear. Mm-hmm.
1: That is the worst because I, we were talking about how they they don't only go through the tragedy of losing a loved one and not finding them and sometimes knowing that somebody took them. But it's also, when you approach the authorities, how they would re-victimize them every time saying, oh, they had it coming, or you shouldn't be looking here because if you come looking here, your other son is going to disappear. And that happened huh. often. When, when There are a lot of mothers who lost two children because one of them was looking for the other. There's nothing worse than that. I mean, or, or mothers who saw their children taken away from them. And others who have women taken away from them. And the authorities would say, oh, that is trata de blancas. And then, well, I don't know how to say it in Spanish. es trata de blancas, pero ahorita se dice trata de personas porque el lenguaje Yes.
0: El um, when, um, so. A, a traffic. prostitution? Traffic? Yeah, or uh-huh.
1: traffic of people. Uh-huh. And people trafficking. And, and so they would say, oh, that's, that is another type of crime. So this is not the office where you're supposed to be. Um, you know, coming up with your issue. Which, you by the way, to, to, uh, by the name. way,
0: of traffic and prostitution, I know that uh, we knew that this was going to happen if you and I were started talking, even in the podcast. <laughs> you we have to watch the Jeffrey I did. Epstein. Did you?
1: I, I did. I saw it last night. But oh my no. God.
0: I, that's another episode. We need yeah, to.
1: Yeah,
0: that's. It, <laughs> my God. It's so. I
1: know. I know i know i know like
0: trump in a picture clinton like yeah, of course I, Weins- like everywhere. okay yes like, we can we can't we can't oh. we can't
1: <laughs> you know yeah let's not talk about it yes. but anyway that the the thing is that it's tragic because it's and it's doubly tragic when it's a woman because you get even yeah more double victimized doubly victimized exactly because then then the authorities would say that's not the crime that you're trying to report it's a woman, so it's traffic, prostitution ring or whatever, and you cannot come into the side where there's imagine years of fighting and it's gonna be it's gonna be eleven years of fighting towards justice and truth. And they're still facing this. Like my daughter disappears. No, go to that other office. And that other office yeah, And especially not-
0: with bureaucracy in Mexico that it's basically, mm-hmm. you know, go with uh, that front office and then you have to sign a thousand forms and then oh no you have to go to the other and the other and, and the, you and had the it other coming, and like... so
1: don't do it or that that happened to many many of the people who i interviewed that they the, the authorities would tell them you know what don't come back or your other son will disappear and with women Even now, that that is the the biggest issue, I think. Well, not the biggest issue. Everything is a big issue. But it's horrible also to see how if women disappear, they cannot have all of the things that they've been fighting for. They've been fighting for a lot of things, and they have accomplished a lot of things. Now we have a law on for disappearance. We have a way of saying that a person has been disappeared, and therefore they have to have insurance now. They're not declared dead, but they're declared disappeared. And and um, the social security has to keep paying. As if he were dead, but he's not because the state has to keep looking for them. But if it's a woman, it's like, oh, no, no, that can't happen because it's a lady. And so if it's a woman, it must have been prostitution. Or she probably left with her boyfriend. And that's why. That
0: mm-hmm. 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 Of course. Horrible. Yes, the it whole just... the whole, uh, re-victimization of, of women. And, and I just want to say one
1: thing, Herman. Sometimes it, it might it might be read as if we were criticizing a country just because we think things should be different and it might appear that because we're in Mexico we criticize the United States and if we were in the United States we'd criticize Mexico mm-hmm. oh no we just go around criticizing everything that is wrong <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> agree yes it's i mean not,
0: it's it's not it's not it's i was having this um, conversation almost fight dialogue fight with a with a friend the other day and it was like you know whenever i say something wrong about mexico or that something is going wrong or they're doing wrong in mexico i've been called a malinchista Mm -hmm. which is like uh the fact that i left mexico one it was not because I hated Mexico and to criticize my country. It was to make it better from where I am and where I'm standing and where what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And two, I'm also very critical of the United States and I'm also very critical of many other countries. And I, it's not that I'm critical of the country per se, I'm critical of the situation. Right, so and I'm, I
1: love the American people because I'm telling you, one of the things that I, I can factually say is that many of the social movements that we now uh, revere are started there I mean the women's movement, the working movement I mean of course it started sometimes in Europe but mm-hmm. the, the um, La Primera Internacional de Mujeres in, and, um, and many many others, the civil rights movement everything, there's there's a resistance that is I'm, I'm very proud to teach everything that that has has set a path for movements around the world. Why do we celebrate El Primero de Mayo, the first day of May? Why do we celebrate mm. workers' movement? Which because is of something that happened in the United States.
0: Yes, which is interesting because they don't celebrate it here on on May first, but and and but we do. Yes, and you know the whole story of, of why they don't celebrate it, but yeah, that's that's a whole. But, uh,
1: but it's the history of the people who I'm interested in, and and I yes. love the Mexican people, I love the American people, and, and mm-hmm. the resistance and everything that they're trying to make right. As soon as an idea came up, and that's that, I think it was Eric Foner who said he's a historian whom I admire a lot, and mm-hmm. he said he said that the magnificency or something like that. I'm not quoting him. He said that what was awesome about the American Revolution was the idea that. All people were created equal. And from there I say, yes. And and, and it was the, the phrase, the rhetoric of it. The rhetoric. Not, it was hypocritical. Yeah, a bunch of white guys who wrote this. But everybody was like, oh, I'm people. So why am I not mm-hmm. um, having these rights? And then that's how we know the history of the it's, it's that's That's when Indians were like, I am people and I am not included there. Black man, yes, and that, and
0: that reminded me of Hamilton's scene where, you know, the, the, the three sisters are singing that. It's like, yes, and no. women. When I meet
1: Thomas Jefferson, I'll <laughs> remind so. him too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> To include women in the sequel.
1: <laughs> Work. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So, but it's, I think it's magical. I've always believed that it's a new... Like Amelia Valcarcel, you know, I'm a fan. She says These, this public language comes from John Locke, who was also a slave guy, who hmm. had slaves and um, slave company slaves. Slavist.
0: In mm-hmm. slavist. Slaver, um, slavery? Slaverist? He was a, word?
1: a slave owner. And oh, slave exactly.
0: Slave. He owned slaves.
1: <laughs> he was a bad person. Exactly. But he had great ideas. And, and he, uh, uh, Amanda Nogadiche, is that her name? The feminist from mm. from Nigeria. She she has a very interesting. I think it's a TED talk where she says that we should look into history, into stories of um, ourselves, and not like something. I need to find it because then it's, I'm not gonna do justice to what she said. But she was talking about like how stories. Um, make us see ourselves and how she always thought about apples and there were no apples in Nigeria and things like that. But mm-hmm. I'll I'll send it to you and, and hopefully I can talk about this without Yes, and I'll, and I'll post it in
0: the in the description of the of the podcast.
1: But it's beautiful. But she talked about how John Locke used to lie about African people and say that they had faces on their chests and that they were I don't know, like animals. But at the same time I I do believe that they invented this public language that we have right now. And Thomas Jefferson took it from him and, and all of these these fathers and a of of the nation that you are living in. Mm. They they took these ideas and and they were very good ideas, so good that we all want them. I know you're a postmodernist. No. <laughs> but I, I am I, think, I I don't know. Yes, you totally are. <laughs> but at the same time, Herman. These ideas are what made it possible to people raise their hand and say, "You know what? This isn't working." I'm a post-colonialist, definitely. <laughs> of course, and this is colonialism because it's a. But yeah. we always have to acknowledge what, uh, especially in the United States, they who brought about this this country. It was these these um, philosophical ideas from Europe. Yeah. But that phrase is powerful, and I believe that that's what keeps history.
0: Yes, epic. if if they had included the people that they were taking the land off, and the people that they were bringing, not that's what a landowner says.
1: That what's powerful is the rhetoric, not the fact. I'm they didn't sure. do anything. It was hypocritical. It was a bunch of white guys who were landowners who, who had were, gone to exactly yeah, who were. But and men
0: looting men, land from
1: looting land, etc. Exactly. But at the same time, what they wrote became law, and if it becomes law, then you can, or it becomes an idea, really, because the law has been changed. But it's an idea that permeated everywhere, and 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 then everybody could raise their hand and say, "This isn't this isn't happening," and I now I know I have the right to do it, to 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 ask. For to my side of the social contract, and the social contract is an idea that also comes from there.
0: Yes, well, <laughs> I agree. Have to agree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How are we on time? It's been like three hours. It's
0: been an hour and a half, so definitely oh this will God. be an, a two, a, like a two-part episode, because <laughs> it's impossible to put it in one part. I knew that, they, that like, this was <laughs> going to happen, so whatever. Um, I was interested in something that uh, I was reading in your bio, oh. which was that you participated in this um, municipal risk assessment atlas for the Saltillo Planning Institute. hmm mm-hmm. And I was wondering, what was this about? Can you tell us a little bit about it?
1: Yes, of course. I'm sure everywhere there is a law that says that municipal planning has to, um, well, it has to have a base of where you can move, right? Mm-hmm. So where you can build this and where you can build that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So, But cities in Mexico don't necessarily have that they just go on building however they feel like <laughs> and they
0: they used to unfortunately mm. they used to and then they just decided not to follow it but so mm-hmm.
1: with this whole new urbanism and um, a lot of activists started getting into government and saying and demanding that there had to be uh how do you how do you call it in english
0: Municipal risk assessment atlas.
1: A municipal risk assessment atlas so that people wouldn't be at risk, especially, especially vulnerable people wouldn't be at risk of losing whatever they had because of a natural disaster. Or... Oh,
0: okay. Okay. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And you can imagine all the things that we found. And the worst part was at the end when we finally finished the, the atlas. Mm-hmm. There was a the mayor actually asked to remove some of the dangerous parts from being marked as dangerous
0: because, of course, corruption.
1: Yeah, or interest. There, it's like, oh no, the, that land is mine, so you don't and I want to
0: sell it, it for.
1: Uh-huh. My- that didn't happen. That didn't happen because the institution that worked the that made the the atlas is a very serious institution. And I was working with one of one of the best people I ever found. I don't remember his name. I'm so sorry. But he was <laughs> this very academic profile and, mm-hmm. and intellectual. A very, very intellect, intelligent man who was like, I'm not going to move that. That's how it is. Because they, they had these NASA uh, pictures from the satellites and the Georeferencing, yes, geo reference,
0: mm-hmm. GIS.
1: Yeah, they, they, I think they did a good work. It was in a hurry, and and I'm sure architects can, would say maybe that it wasn't necessarily the best, but I I think it was, it it really showed where the risk was. Like, don't build houses here because as soon as it rains, they're going to, I don't know mm-hmm. how. They'll go with the flow. Okay. And, and, and you worked found... there
0: as a, like from your political side more mm-hmm. than any other thing.
1: Yes, but actually it was a special project that the municipality gave to us. So I had to work there also. I was administrating and, uh, well, I just was making sure that the project was happening.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So,
1: yeah, because you had to see where was the risk and where was vulnerability? Because I think that was something that I learned and I liked that there are a lot of very rich people here in, in the municipality who live in, in areas that are at risk, but they won't lose anything. I mean, if their house um, gets flooded, mm-hmm. they can build another house. But hmm. if if you build... casas uh,
0: Social housing.
1: Social housing in a place like that, people will lose everything they ever had.
0: Yes, the only thing that they ever had, and they can mm-hmm. only build.
1: So that that was very interesting to see, and to, and also I I used to tell my students about it, and they would tell me, you know what, I live on the edges of this mountain, la parte de mm-hmm. the the bottom of the mountain. Mm-hmm and my house always which is flooded. where the
0: yeah where the rain falls and basically when there's a big storm the houses can't just get
1: yeah
0: barrer, sí, mm-hmm.
1: sí, horrible. Is, so a lot of things came came up and we could see how well that the city hadn't been planned as it should have for example the airport hmm The airport is in a very low place. So you can practically... During the winter, nobody can fly. (laughs) Because we get a lot of... Neblina? Fog. Fog. And Mm -hmm. it should have been somewhere else. But these were the lands of someone who wanted to sell them. And that's how it was. And it's very sad to see. But at least there's an effort. And I think, well, there was. There was. Mm. That's, That's what we're trying to do.
0: So aside from, which is, I know, I've been there, but it's also part of working at a university. Aside from writing your dissertation and teaching, are you involved in any other projects as part of the university? Are you working in, um, you know, in any other community-based projects or something?
1: Yeah. Yes, we... I I have a a huge blessing to be working where I'm working.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's a very small school, and there's very few teachers. We get along really, really well. And most of the teachers are very involved in movements and in grassroots movements or in just with the people. And, for example, right now, all of the school, practically all of the school is working with a community in the desert because we you know we have a desert here in Coahuila that is struggling a lot with water. They they're having a lot of trouble keeping the water because the companies they take it mm-hmm. and then they 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 use the water, they finish the water up, it's like they, they use all of the water and then they move. And what did, what do you think they leave behind? Nothing. Nothing poverty. Poverty, that's what they leave behind because it's
0: a lot of iron companies, which is they Uh leave uh, not even nothing, they leave uh, poison and poison Mm -hmm. water and poison land and poison soil.
1: Yeah, and these mega projects are really affecting these people, and they wanted to, and it it came from them. This is very interesting. There's there's an activist living in in the desert in General Cepeda. And he works with the people in the, in the different branches there. And they wanted, the people wanted to have their history written. Because hmm. they wanted to have, to find their, their identity so that they could defend themselves even more. Because they want to assess that they have the right to be where they are. And, and with that, they mean we have the right to be where we are with the means that we've always had, which is water as well. And they're fighting two different things. These mega projects that take their water and they leave, they they not only take the water, they take also the people. Young people go and work for them. They never know how to work the land. And when the companies leave, these guys are left, because they're mostly men, they're left without any any skills for the farms.
0: For the agricultural work. Mm -hmm. Agricultural
1: work. And they're left without land. Because if they leave the land, they have to sell the land. It's a it's, it's whole ejid, ejidal problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're left without work and they're left without water. Even if they had the skills to work, the, farm, the farms, the agricultural fields, they couldn't do it because there's no more water because the company's left with it. And then there's mm-hmm. also this huge problem that they have right now with the toxic dump. And we're working with them. We're working really close with them. I've become very good friends with most of the people over there especially two of them there's these these uh ejidatario
0: yes but uh, exactly but ejido it's a very i think it's a very mexican. spanish uh-huh mexican mexican mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: let me explain what ejido is really quickly an ejido is a land that was given to the people who used to work this land exactly. after the revolution after the 1930s uh-huh. and these people keep the land but it's also communal Mm -hmm. so these people aren't rich definitely not no and but they work the land and they have a right to be there it's a constitutional right
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because they used to work the land before right so the revolution happened to for this to happen
0: for this to happen exactly to actually happen because it used to be exactly it used to be owned by this señores ejidales like the señores Señores
1: feudales uh
0: casi casi which was the
1: caciques
0: the caciques the owners of these big pieces of land and they it was divided and then it was left to the to the workers
1: 11 families owned 98 percent of the land don't quote me because it it might be in 96 or 97 (laughs) but it was 11 or 12 families owned more than 90 percent of the land can wow. you imagine? So, and all these people who worked the land, they were, well, you know, the, the whole revolution happened because of this.
0: Los Cris, Los so, Ramos Arispe, los, and I can start yeah. naming the, the yeah, families. It's
1: like 11 families, <laughs> so it wouldn't be that hard. Yes. Um, so finally, the revolution happened, and maybe 15 years later, they got the land back. And, of course, the land that they kept, they the owners kept the the best land and the water and they gave the workers the worst land without water so it's always mm. been an, a political issue finally well I'm not saying finally because history always goes on <laughs> Yes. but uh, right now what they're now having problems with is the fact that people aren't staying in the land because they go with these huge mega projects that international projects who come and just loot the land they take the water, they take the resources, they take the people, and they leave because the water will be, um, they, they will waste all the water, they will take all the water mm-hmm. and finally leave. And they leave, and they, they leave behind the worst problems you can imagine. So we're working with these people because they, this, this guy who's an ejidatario, who's a landowner, but it's also a communal owner, mm-hmm. he's a, a, one of the most amazing men I've ever known. This is a guy who probably I don't know if he finished middle school. I don't think so. I, I'm gonna ask, but he's read Gramsci, and, and you can't imagine like somebody who's he's, he's an intellectual in, in his own way,
0: and mm-hmm. and he's
1: a, he's an amazing person. Is he's, he's like Mejia Tari was a feminist, for example. I wow. mean, he's a man, not yes, a feminist. Yes, yes, which you is you know exactly for the north
0: exactly, for the northern part of Mexico and something and someone that works in agriculture like being a feminist is not something common or that you find off like yes no
1: it's just something that you would never find it Mm -hmm. and and it's very interesting to to see how now they, they thought of of writing their own history say how they got to the land and how this land is really rightfully theirs and how these especially the toxic dump should not be there so and you're they, kind of like writing
0: environmental history.
1: Yeah, you could call it like that, but we're we're trying to keep it like a social history, una historia de larga duración. Yeah,
0: um, but my, I mean, there's the this, leader
1: of the project would call there it.
0: There is that. this uh, field, nascent field in in mm-hmm. here in the American academia that it's environmental history, which is about
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: of, of course it's... But we're
1: doing it from this from we're. We've done um, environmental history. We actually did uh, the history of the other side of the of town, Zapaliname, which is the mountain and all these places that are
0: mm-hmm.
1: very... It, has, it holds most of the water in the, in the city. 70% of the water comes from there. And we, we made the history of that place as well. And it was very interesting. You but you how... also
0: mentioned about the the right of, of the land. and
1: mm-hmm.
0: And are they indigenous? Uh-uh, uh-uh.
1: no mm. no Um over here, as you know well, you don't because you're from Chihuahua and you do have indigenous people in mm-hmm.
0: Chihuahua, but we don't mm. we
1: have indigenous people in Mexico in Mexico, in Coahuila <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> in Coahuila but they are not from here they're people like the Kikapus. Mm-hmm. they're from the northern they're from the north, but mm-hmm. they came here Juarez, our president Back then, they, he gave him permission to be here. And also the Mascogos, who are Black. And they, they live in the northern part. And they, they also hold rights to the land. They And they hold rights to uh, nas- both nationalities. It's very interesting. They yes. can come back and
0: forth. That,
1: documents uh, or that's
0: that's uh, part of... Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, and I'm not going to be writing in this dissertation, but definitely in the book it's got to be part of my of my oh, yeah. book or an article or something but it's like it's fascinating how exactly how indigenous people hold both nationalities and mm. have a right to land in both sides of the border and
1: it's very interesting how territory-huh
0: the territory is both
1: as, as opposed to what goes on in the southern part of mexico this is very, it's very interesting. But the thing is that we don't have indigenous people because, um, well, we do, but they're not from here because the indigenous people from here, and I I think if you ever want to read um, Carlos Manuel's Davila's book mm-hmm. about la gente del mezquite, he he talks about how, of course there were indigenous people here. There were many indigenous people here, but they got all exterminated. And During and so the that's during the colonial times. During colonial times, and even even later than that, do you remember last last elections, the um, the candidacies? It was Andrés Manuel López Obrador who is president mm-hmm. right now, and um, tal Meade.
0: Sí, José Antonio well, Meade y- Ricky Rikin Canallin. Ricky Rikin can
1: Well, it turns out that Meade came to Saltillo. I think it was around the time that, that Carlos, Manuel Davila, Carlos Manuel Valdez Davila had. He, he works. He is my boss. Like, he's uh-huh. my authority. He, I don't work for him anymore, but he is the founder of the school that I work in. Mm-hmm. So he's always going to be my boss. So I'm going to call him my boss. So my boss had, I think, just re-edited his book or came out with a, his, his greatest project which is called Los Bárbaros del Rey la Iglesia because they were called barbarians over here they were not docile we, then you know the, the Tlaxcaltecans came mm-hmm. and that's how we are we have indigenous blood but it isn't necessarily the blood of the indigenous people who were originally here, uh-huh. it's Tlaxcalteca yes. but we do have indigenous blood and black blood, definitely we all do as Mexicans. Yeah, there's there's a the whole thing called La Tercera Raíz, which uh, right which right is it. black,
0: not talked about, but of course, no. exactly.
1: But now it's being more and more by historians and right. and even biologists. We're talking a lot more about this. How it's more Mexicans, being more addressed. Mm-hmm. We are built of three roots, and um, we come from these three roots, which is the European the Spaniard, the indigenous, and the black. But nobody talks about it. But oh, well, we,
0: because it was erased from the Vasconcelismo. Like, it of was course. like, yes, we're so Mexica involved. and Spanish, and so that's right. it. Like, what? no, then, nothing else exists.
1: And and I, I can assure you, I mean, I've, I've never had these, these uh, the test. The,
0: oh, yes, I want to do it. The, uh-huh, uh-huh. I want to do it
1: so bad. But most of the people who have had it, up here in the north down in the south or whoever no matter what the col- no matter what color you look outside mm-hmm. there's three roots, and it's always Africa it's always uh, the Spanish mm-hmm. and it's always indigenous hmm. like it's been I-, I don't know of anyone here in Mexico who's been here for as long as we both have like I don't yeah. have I cannot trace my people to Spain mm. I can't and even if I could, you never know, because we took the Spanish names.
0: Yes, so, exactly. But, I mean, I can, I can tra- trace my great grandfather on my father's side, but on my gra- uh-huh. on my mother's side, it's like no, like there's no way. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's like of yeah. course.
1: And it's very interesting how even not doesn't matter what color you look like, you are exactly. There's three roots. We are all black, Indian, Spanish and in Spanish. In, mm-hmm. And yeah. and yeah there may be some other things and there will be a person who says no 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 up here in the north we weren't mixed with the indians because we were so blah 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 and, mm-hmm. and you're like yeah no yeah right uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but anyway I, i'm proud to say that but i was i was talking about how there are no original indians here mm-hmm. but there are we we are mixed with indians because they came from plascala to saltillo and that's how we got set you know
0: everything
1: uh-huh. and we And Jose Antonio
0: um, Meade meade me, me uh-huh.
1: Yeah he he came over here and he was giving his speech and my, my boss had just came out with this book or the other book which is kinda of like a, a a better edition. He's it's his doctoral thesis and it's very interesting. I'll send them both to you. I think mm. you're gonna love them. <laughs> and he came and he was talking in this 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 public space that is la, la plaza de las ciudades hermanas so very oh, yes, yes but it's
0: yes. really
1: tiny because nobody was going to go see him anyway <laughs> and he said that we should be proud because we had fought the apaches like nobody else oh my god or something like that I was like come on it's like, like dude it's 2018 or whatever year it was, oh,
0: qué película was de Cantinflas viste?
1: <laughs> Pero but what o sea, how, how dare you? How dare you be proud of killing Indians, man?
0: Yeah, exactly. I, was, but also it it's like this bad. is a narrative from a película de Cantinflas. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah,
1: but I I thought it was, I don't know. I felt really embarrassed for him because we, I mean, people who,
0: who are <sighs> leaving
1: now are not proud of killing Indians. No, not I at think. all. And he was like, you should be proud because you killed all those Indians and that's what we're here. And we were like, uh, no. no, I wasn't there, of course, but it was horrible.
0: Yeah. And, but and...
1: people still. So this is from the 1800s. And I think it was even in the 1920s, governors in Coahuila were still talking about, go out and if you see an Indian, you have permission to kill. In Ooh, the 1920s. The 20s. The 18... yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Well, there was, uh, I have this friend who's from Monterrey, and she's writing um, a dissertation. She's, she's in literature in Spanish and Portuguese letters. And she's wow. writing this dissertation on a book on... Don't really remember. She's going to hate me because we worked like three weeks, no more than three weeks, like two months together like we were in this boot camp and uh, I don't remember the books that she's writing on but um the the topics uh, one of the books is about this um extermination of the Chinese in 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 Torreon actually
1: okay oh right of course
0: and and how the Chinese workers that were brought to to build the the train tracks and the yeah the train tracks were basically exterminated by the government, and it was a story that was um, erased and eliminated, and and then she's also writing about how you know how how this is uh, kind of like. Um, Related to how the government is exterminating groups and erasing it from stories from this from the official story So in a way it relates it to uh, Yotsinapa and then other okay. other events, so actually There's Oof, some correlation I think we should be talking. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I was just like Dah, Yes, you, you too should be talking. She's doing it from from literature from like novels but actually what she's what she's doing is not um, fiction. Mm-hmm. She's actually extracting reality from from these books. So yes, it's it's not fiction. It's reality. Anyway, so yes, but um, yes, we we're not as
1: um, far away from what we're
0: far away from from this anti from this anti racist country that we believe have believed for so many years that we are we are very racist and we are very uh, we have been very classist and racist for so many years
1: so many so many problems that we we don't care to admit yeah but uh,
0: but fortunately we're now talking about them and we're fortunately now facing them and and this again coming back to what is happening right now uh it's forcing also the conversations in mexico and that's a good thing yeah Oh, I love that. That's also a good thing. So, um,
1: German, Herman, yes. let me just tell you one thing. The, yes. the name of this very famous feminist uh-huh. whom I read, followed, admired, and, and actually heard speak and everything. Uh-huh. I mean not live, but like through social and not, not social media, but TED Talks and mm-hmm. YouTube and everything. Her name is Chimamanda Gossi Adichie.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Good. And I and I just sent you the link to her TED Talk. And it's the danger of a single story. I, 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 I think it's one of the first things I do in every single class. And I'm very sorry I didn't remember her name, because I. But from now on, but I'm never gonna forget it.
0: We'll <laughs> correct it and we'll put it in the, in the, yeah. links in the description to of Amanda the podcast.
1: Adichie. And, and it's the danger of a single story. I think you're gonna love it. And Perfect. she's one of, yeah, the the most influential feminists nowadays. I believe.
0: Great. So we're approaching the end of this podcast. I
1: believe this so. This <laughs>
0: episode, or a couple of episodes, or maybe three. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's I'm gonna just... be two. <laughs> uh, and I normally tend to finish when I'm when I'm speaking with architects or people that are, that are um, in the trained as architects to talk about the canon and talk about Le Corbusier. <laughs> but in this case. The canon for us is history, like a mm-hmm. uh, uh, a common canon that we have is history, or a canon a common canon that we know is history, and it's Western history. Mm-hmm. And and one can we discuss about it is precisely how how we teach history and how can we change the way we teach history. And it it was a, actually a perfect segue to connect. Because you were mentioning that you that it's the way you start teaching with this yeah. with this video, and and it actually makes a lot of sense on on how to how can we start changing the narratives of of this um, you know white Eurocentric uh, male dominant histories that we have actually that we received as an yeah. education, mm-hmm. but we are trying to break the cycle and we're trying to tell different histories to our students.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's it's very important. And I learned this, um, I think it was in during my second master's where, where I saw the importance of teaching history or, I mean, even political science or ethics, from um, the perspective of the victims. And I, I'm talking about victims because of, because of my field of study, mm. right, so, uh, and if I had to talk about history as a teacher, mm. I'd say from the point of view of those who, who have also made history, but are necessarily in a political position or in a powerful position. Mm-hmm. And to these, of course, the the different mm, historiography has helped. And I think because I teach history of the United States, it's very important for me to focus on on this new historiography after the 60s with Eric Foner and all these people who focus on the history of the people of the United States. There are many others which I cannot recall right now, but I'll make sure to, to forward them to you how, how it, it evolves from being a history of a nation to being a history of a people and mm. then history of peoples and history of different people and history of minorities and history of movements, etc. Exactly, yes. Which I, I've seen this evolution of historiography in, in this, at least in the history of the United States to be wonderful and, and to see how there isn't a single history and even uh, I have to quote and I'm not quoting him like word by word, but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. saying what he he meant. Howard Sin, Howard Sin is also, it's very controversial to teach with his book because well, your listeners can find out by themselves. But I I think we have to mm, have students, the option of reading Howard Sin, who is definitely a socialist and he teaches a people's history of the United States. And he says that there are no histories of a nation there isn't because then you're assuming that there's only one way of viewing a country and a country is filled with many different types of people. Yes. So if you assume that a history of a nation that comes from power is history, well, you're missing out on so many things, so many, so many things.
0: But that's, that's unfortunately what we come from. We were taught one history. We, um, I mean, Mexico was basically, after the revolution, it was a way to to unify, to kind of, you know, to bring the country Exacto together. It, mm-hmm. it, it was created at uh, this narrative of this is the, the history, the history mm-hmm. that we want to tell about Mexico, and this is the, the history that we are going to tell. And, and
1: you're missing out on so many things.
0: And I don't blame the effort of López Mateos, because honestly, for me, and I think we discuss this is the best president that we have had like yeah. i haven't found other president that has done as much as lopez mateos did for the country I'm and he, he was,
1: was in Spain.
0: don't judge me but i am uh, yes and you know that i am a, as leftist as as can B. But Lopez <laughs> Mateos, in like he was the one with the free textbooks. He was the one with the free meals for kids mm-hmm. in the schools. He was the one that built all the museums in the country. He was the, he was like he was the one that built the modern country. He was the one mm-hmm. that modernized. The exactly. So he was he was the the one that modernized Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, but he also. I mean, in their in their own way, he, they were the ones that created. Of course, this the comes from Devas Vasconcelismo, and and it also comes from from Torres Bodet and their curricula of like creating this history of of what the Mexicans should be taught. Yeah. But the same thing happened in the United States and the same thing happened in Europe and the same thing happened in
1: in every single country. In
0: every single country but in every single field in architecture in, mo- in the history of modern architecture it was one history. Yeah,
1: that's why I think we always have to go back to to the to the La Escuela de los Anales. Hmm. Where where we start seeing different types of history we're seeing history of concepts we're seeing history or or um, history of people and and la la historia de la larga duración and um, all of these things that we see from the french of course i'm sorry again
0: Europe.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time there there's been a lot of um very good things done also by non westerns for example in the subaltern studies by exactly. The indians exactly by the indians, yes indians indians in, in cambridge at, at the end but
0: yes but
1: from their point of view that the, the decolonization process but that, is, exactly, but
0: that's how the decolonial and the postcolonial studies began with uh, Homi Baba and uh, speed uh, spe- uh, what's her name? The subaltern. Uh-huh. Can the subaltern speak? I need to. Can the sub?
1: Well, the all of those things. Those those. I don't know. Corrientes historiográficas. Historiographical. Um, you know, paths uh, mm-hmm. that they were taking, and I think it's very important to to see how it has it has come to be what it is today, and that's what teachers in every level should always be uh, reminding students. There, it's impossible to study everyone's history, right? But that doesn't mean that only some things are historical. Yes, right, and and it doesn't mean that just that I think it was Kim Gayatri Scott. Spivak,
0: Gayatri okay. Spivak. Can <laughs> a subaltern speak Gayatri Spivak? Yes.
1: <laughs> and when she says that, I also remember how m- me specifically, how I specifically in my dissertation should be focusing on being a microphone and not giving voice because I don't give voice to anyone. No. They have voices. Mm-hmm. And if I could be useful as a platform for them to come over here and talk about their issues, but not be me uh, because I don't give voice to anyone, especially if I don't go through those things that they're going through, then, then I'd be happy with what I'm doing. And the same goes for, for what I teach. I, I believe that I try to bring back uh, a history that's important and it not necessarily what they've been taught all of their lives. And, and think about the history of the, the United States as a history of the people of the United States, not necessarily a history which we also—it's political history at the end. We mm-hmm. always we have to have a timeline, etc. But we try to see what. Yes, these but you try to include
0: work. other voices, and you try to include the 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 most voices that you can.
1: Yep, that's what I try to
0: do. Yes, which is what I try to do with architecture. Or yeah, at least with a with the courses of at least modern architecture, which is what I teach, mm-hmm. which is include the the most voices that I can, the, of the voices of women, which have been er- not erased but silenced. Um, mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah, and, and the they exist. Well, many, many many times also erased. I. I just shared this morning the Michelle Perrot's book on my history of women. If you mm. haven't read it, I, I strongly suggest that you do. It's a beautiful book on how women have been erased from history. And and I also every well, this year especially, because of the movement, the women's movement, I, I paused my course and I said, you know what, we need to talk about feminism in this class, and we did. And one of the things I said, one one of the things we can do is not only read women. But also quote women in our inner work.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's and that's what I mean by not being erased, because the books exist, the text exists.
1: Right now they do, but in the past there there was nothing.
0: But we don't give them both we we don't we don't put them out. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it's not that they, they have been erased, but they they are not um they have been silenced, you know. They have been put in a shelf where mm-hmm. where no one can listen to them or no one can read them. But the, the voices are there. Like that, women were writing, women were speaking, women were were trying to to do the work and not trying. We're, we're doing the work. Correct. We're saying mm-hmm. things. Yeah. But someone was uh, uh, silencing it on them. The,
1: on, the, on the back shelf. Exactly,
0: so and that's that's that's,
1: uh, that's what we, we're we're trying to do. Bringing mm-hmm. over to the front.
0: Pages, yes, which which brings me to this uh, list that I found today uh, about precisely, um, you know, there's there's a lot of controversy with what's happening around the um, being anti-racist and not not just yes, not, not racist. racist but anti-racist, and this list of books that have been circulating on how can you educate yourself. And, and there's a, a whole list of, of, of different genres and, and, and how can you educate yourself on, on different topics on how to be anti-racist and how to l- read about the history of the United States from an anti-racist perspective, which is precisely what, what I was uh, trying to get to and trying to see that we have to read different stories, mm-hmm. different histories and different stories in order to complete and to have that, like a more complete story of the mm-hmm. of the different topics that we we teach and that we that we do uh we are interested in yeah. yes i think that that's that's the way to do it
1: and it's also a, a humane responsibility our yes. responsibility as human beings is to to try to understand the other
0: and as an as in as educators I think. and even
1: if we don't understand because we we could never fully understand it's like as men you can never fully understand women no. as as next as white chickens mm-hmm. right. as white chickens we could never understand what people uh, indigenous what people will feel 100%. exactly Go yes. through, or um, we will never understand but even if we cannot understand we need to stand by mm-hmm. these people by 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 our human race i, I don't know if i'm saying it right but but um i think we will never fully understand because we are not we we haven't had their history no there it is our responsibility to to stand by each other
0: but there's also exactly but there's also our responsibility to educate ourselves mm-hmm. and i think that this is again coming back to this discussion and that's that that's our responsibility and their responsibility for um
1: to our students none
0: to our students but also to in and coming back to the life uh, to the black lives matter situation to non-black uh people, people. to educate themselves of course and it's and that's
1: also our
0: responsibility
1: how, how this is something that we either do it or or we do it like there's, there's no, yes
0: there's no other way mm-hmm.
1: there's no other way we're all in this in the same in the same world and and i've always believed that that of course they, they, they've been saying this and i think it's true we're on the same sea and everybody has a different boat but at the same time if, if there is a huge storm or an iceberg or whatever we're, we're all we're going
0: to be carried yes mm-hmm. on and the I, same I think current it's
1: true so, so that's why i sometimes don't believe all these conspiracy theories that say that only two people dominate the world because i'm like you know what? We're all here, and if if we if, if these people want people to be even more poor, that's going to harm. you in a Well, way. Mark
0: Zuckerberg I mean... and and Bill Gates are you talking about that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: and the uh, liquid of your knees, the liquid of
0: the and the fact that
1: Adele is not oh. really her and oh my uh, God. what else? No, there's so many.
0: Conspiracy theories. I was reading today about the whole thing about Anonymous, and I was like, "What is going on with Anonymous now?" Like, they're oh my God, it's just oh yeah.
1: Michael Jackson. Now. Michael Jackson was
0: innocent. He's saying, "I'm like, oh what? my God, no, no, yeah. no, no!" Don't get me started with the no, Jeffrey Essay and Anonymous and that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so to close, uh, finally, yeah. the episode. Um, there's two sections that I'd like to to uh close with one of them is in this quarantine we're mostly surrounded by our books and i would like to ask you what is your favorite book that you have in your library
1: okay so my favorite book there there are so many yes it's impossible but but you know when when a book moves you and and you move to tears even or you close the book and you say what the Right? Mm-hmm. You had that. And it, it had been a long time since I felt that feeling where you close it and you're like, oh my God, this changed my life. Um, Helen McDonald's H is for Hawk. It's I think one of the most amazing books I've ever read. It reminded me so much of of Moby Dick, but it's written by a woman in okay. this century. And it's I I cannot even explain how it moved me. It's just something that everybody has to read. But you have to take the time and really enjoy it. It's beautifully written, but it's it's also a magnificent work of literature, I believe. Ages okay. for Hawk by Helen McDonough.
0: Good. That's beautiful. I will <laughs> definitely look for it. Yes. And the last section is about recommendations. And it's a section I took from one of my favorite podcasts that it's called Latinos Who Lunch. Shout out to them. And it's about, again, books or series or podcasts that, you know, somehow are thought-provoking that you would like to recommend for us.
1: Um, Books, I mean, series or, series, or podcasts? Series, books
0: or podcasts or something that you're watching or a movie or, you know, something that it's been on your radar lately okay. and that I you would like to recommend. I recently
1: watched this movie. It's called A Portrait of a Lady. Mm-hmm. On, and, a portrait of a lady on fire. Wow.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. such a
1: good movie, and I, I in the beginning, I was like, title. But it's amazing. I thought it wasn't going to be as good as it ended up being, and I, I can't say anything because you, you just need to watch it. Okay. It's a, I'm just going to say it's about it's. I think it's the 18th century, and this woman has to have her portrait uh, drawn or painted for her because she needs to find a husband. And huh she she doesn't want to have her portrait taken because she doesn't want a husband. And so finally, they so they fool her into thinking that she was just having a, a friend for company, but she was actually drawing her from memory because so she hung out with her and then she would draw her. And then I won't say anything else. Wow. It's just one of them. It, it's very, very interesting. I, I strongly recommend it. And it's by, let me tell you who the author is. It's um, it's a historical drama. It's by Celine Shiyama. Okay. Celine Shiyama. It's nineteen. It's two thousand nineteen. It came out this year. Okay, I mean, so it's last a, it's, year. it's fairly new. Very
0: mm-hmm. okay. And
1: I keep I keep listening to the dollop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. I'm, I'm still a, a, like a fan for uh, I, I Legendarias. Actually, I, I love them. Yeah, Legendas Legendarias is really
1: good, but I don't like it as much as I like the dollop. The dollop for me, I'm a number well, one Because fan.
0: it's about American history and you <laughs> are a teacher of American history, of course.
1: Germán, did you ever see this PBS special where a teacher makes this really very, very controversial experiment with her students? Nope. Uh, the About race after Martin Luther King had been shot.
0: Oh, yes, 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 well, yes, I watched. Well, mm-hmm.
1: one of the episodes is about, kind of like that, uh, high schoolers who get drawn into being practically fascists and Nazis. And okay. you cannot believe what happened. I mean, I'm not saying that everything's factual, but I, had, I have so much fun with the dollop. <laughs> I really, okay. really like
0: it. I'm going to recommend it. And, and I of mean, course, are the, juan- the margins. Thank you. thank you i mean they're Juarenses. And, yeah. like i i really like it and and leyendas legendarias is just like i have yeah. so much fun i, with I
1: like it i love so much more
0: it's yeah. just so
1: funny
0: they're yeah. so good and sometimes well,
1: one needs to laugh
0: yes exactly exactly <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be i mean as like i'm i'm recommending a lot of, of podcasts during the
1: the introduction
0: and and during the part uh, during the episodes, but I mean, Latinos yeah. who launch is one of the ones that I really like, and they they mm-hmm. have episodes where they're like light and they're just laughing and but they're also talking about like important topics and yeah. they also introduce you know serious things so it's it's a mix of things it's that's how they should be so that's fun so uh, is there anything you would like to ask? To add, sorry.
1: Um. Well, I would just like to say thank you. I'm very happy to have been here. You have no idea. I was always thinking how I could sneak into that this podcast. Well. Especially, and I'm very, very happened. happy to have been here. And I'm so glad we could talk about this. And I really hope the best for this podcast because I think it's worth it.
0: Me too. I'm really happy that you've been here. I hope that we can repeat this so yep. we don't have to spend you know, three episodes, like, do a, a one episode of three parts, but <laughs> like do several episodes where we can do, like, regular check-ins. That would yes. be amazing. That would be just so great. But and thank you very some- much for being here, Machelli. It was a great time. It was, again, the, the first um, recording where it was done the way it was supposed to be, with awesome. the drink in front of us at great. night and tequila. like exactly with like a shot of tequila with a, which is the way it <laughs> como, was intended to be Manda. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well thank, thank you, you so very much, much and no, see no, you next you. week bye yes. bye thank you for listening to today's episode please follow us on from the margins podcast on instagram and on from the margins perspectives on architecture on facebook where you can find links to the webpage and more information on the links about the topics we discussed during the episode, and the channels to communicate with me. I would love to hear from you and your comments and feedback. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate us. The more subscribers and better reviews means more representation. Thanks again.